Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest games on the blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, with me is Jonathan Wilson and with us is Cecilia Lagos, a freelance European football correspondent based in the Netherlands, football writer and content producer for the Tactical Room and Sfera Sports in Spain and of course her own YouTube channel Sportiva. She's also collaborated with FIFA, ESPN, BBC and many, many more. Ceci, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm delighted. So. <laughs> We're delighted as well, um, especially with the choice of game. You, we, we go back to the first round of the 1962 World Cup finals. Chile 2, Italy 0. Why have you chosen this game? Um, well, it's, yeah, it's labelled as the most violent game in history in the history of football that's that's quite a lot to say if i in my personal experience if i have to uh think about the fact that i i've grown up watching copa libertadores and in example no and when you when you watch copa libertadores you watch lots of violence or the south american qualifiers so I really, I didn't think that I would see something more violent that, mm. than, than, than that. And then, yeah, uh, it was quite a mayhem. I don't know if it was more violent than what I have seen before in those tournaments, but indeed, uh, it has to be one of the most violent games in the history of football by far. Yeah. Uh, and you like that sort of thing, do you, Ceci? <laughs> you know what? You know what? It makes me laugh. I, I know it's not politically it's not politically correct, and as journalists, uh, we have to promote fair play and everything. But every time you <laughs> it, it's like I can help it. It makes me laugh. It's yeah. so cultural. Mm. Oh, it's. It, I mean, it's an enormous spectacle when when it all kicks off like that. I mean, Jonathan nicknamed the sort of the Battle of Santiago. Anybody with, who knows anything about football history will be aware of this fixture. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a game that I knew about way, way, way before I'd seen it, before I had any sort of notion of what happened in the game. And I think from a British point of view, one of the reasons we know about it is David Coleman's <laughs> famous introduction, which I might as well read out now because we're going to do please it. Please do, like please do. The game you're about to see is the most stupid, appalling, disgusting and disgraceful mm. exhibition of football possibly in the history of the game. Chile versus Italy. This is the first time the two countries have met, and we hope it shall be the last. The national motto of Chile reads, by reason or by force. Today, the Chileans were prepared to be reasonable. The Italians only used force. And the result was a disaster for the World Cup. Now, if the World Cup is going to survive in its present form, something's got to be done about teams who play like this. And what, <laughs> the, the amazing thing about this is... That because this is before satellite link-ups and things, yeah. he's recorded this mm. outside the stadium in, in Santiago, and the tape has then been shipped, well, you know, on a plane, obviously, yeah. but flown back to London. So this is only broadcast two days later. Mm. So can you imagine if you've heard on the radio or something, you have the stories about what happens in the game, can you imagine the tension and the excitement as you're waiting to see oh. the footage of this blood... <laughs> I mean, Ceci, what do you think when you when you hear the game? Because you you um, grew up in Chile, I'm, yes, I'm right yes. saying. And uh, you know, when, when you hear uh, that, what, what, what do you think? Do you think you sort of a bit of British pomp and arrogance or something, or do you or do you think no? Fair enough. 
and, and to be honest, I only um, knew of those words because uh, of the investigation of the research that I had to do when I wrote the article about exactly this game, the Battle of Santiago for the Squall magazine. Um, yeah, um, issue number two, it was devoted to battles. And uh, of course, I didn't, I didn't know about the, the, the views and the opinions of uh, English journalists who were in Santiago at that time. So it was, I found it epic. It was like, <laughs> this is the first time that both teams uh, play against each other and I hope it's the last one. You had to laugh about it. I mean, oh my God, what did this guy see? You know? But uh, I grew up in Chile uh, and what I remember the most, or if you ask any Chilean about that game, probably everyone will tell you that game is about the punch of Lionel Sanchez against Mario David. That's the most famous in Chile, the most famous scene, the most famous take of the game, because of course, yeah, in YouTube you have like the whole, there are two videos with the whole game, but it's it's not easy to just uh, grow up grow up in the eighties and, and, and have access to that. So you only have that fragment and you see, during your whole life, you know, Lionel Santos punching Mario David, and that was kind of it. But then there's a whole, a whole story and branches to the main story that are, make it so interesting, so interesting, definitely historic. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, as you say, the backstory is fascinating. So yeah. going into, um, you know, in, into the 50s, you know, we hadn't had the World Cup for a few years, of course, uh, uh, because of the Second World War. And Interesting. I didn't realize. That, I should have realized this. Um, that in 1938, uh, Latin American sides and North American sides had boycotted the World Cup then, because uh, they felt Europe was kind of dominating the landscape a bit much. And then we have the 1954 and the 58 World Cups, which were hosted in Europe. And 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 the 62 World Cup, as I understand it, Chile, Argentina, and West Germany were were planning to bid. Uh, to be host nation and FIFA asked West Germany to withdraw from the process because South Americans were, were getting a bit fed up uh, with Europe dominating. So already there's a little bit of tension between Europe and, and South America. And of course, Chile uh, quite handsomely won the vote against Argentina. So Chile have been given the, the right to host the 62 World Cup. I mean, so it's, it's, worth, it's worth pointing out why Argentina lost. Yes, uh, please do. Well, so Argentina, uh, yeah, there was the boycott in '38. They only sent an amateur side in '34 because of Argentinian football politics as the league went professional, which has got nothing to do with FIFA. Um, but then they didn't they didn't send a team in in '50 or '54 because of Peron and, and isolationism. Uh, so Peron's toppled. They send a team in 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 '58. This decision's made in '56. So Argentina hasn't hasn't had a proper team at the World Cup since 1930. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why there was a sense of well, hang on, mm -hmm. you can't just suddenly swan in and and say you deserve this. So I think that's why Chile, even though it's, it's football infrastructure was significantly less than Argentina's. I think that's why Chile wins the vote. Mm -hmm. Well, and also the, the head of the FA, Carlos Ditborn, who uh, was quite the, the charismatic uh, chap, Sessi, uh, he, he was influential in Chile getting the, the bid as well, wasn't he? Yeah, in the world of football, uh, in, at the moment where yeah, Chilean football was trying to establish some international name, of course, and uh, this was the opportunity. This was the opportunity, and he, uh, of course, he uh, spoke 
very good English and uh, he was very well acquainted. So naturally, I mean, he saw the chance and definitely as uh, Jonathan said, of course, uh, we didn't have the infrastructure, infrastructure but um, you know, he thought if we had the smallest of chances, we we're going to grab it. And, and finally he did it, he did it. And he assembled quite a capable um, committee to, to organize it. And then, well, everything that happened afterwards was just tragic. It was tragedy after tragedy. Well, you're referencing the 1960 earthquake, which was the biggest earthquake ever recorded in the world at the time. Exactly. Not, but not only that, then afterwards, um, one of the members of the um, organizing committee, uh, he died. Um, he was run over while he was trying to change the tire um, on the way. Uh, and, and he died in the middle of the preparations. And then uh, Didborn himself died right a month before the start of the World Cup. So it was like super, super tough, super tough. And definitely that earthquake devastated the whole country. It was devastation all over. So of course that, that threatened the, the, um, the organization and Deepborn uh, actually was quite conscious about it. And he said, you know what, we should return the money uh, for, the, for the organization of the World Cup and give it back to rebuild the country. And then Jorge Alessandri, uh, then president of, of, of Nation, he said, you know what, people need joy. People need football to have joy. Because I mean, um, I've been through two quite big earthquakes and I know perfectly what happens afterwards. It's, it's really, it's, they've been lower uh, in, the, in the scale than that one naturally, but not too, uh, much lower and I know what happens so definitely people need some hope people need some joy people need some something that makes them feel strong and, and um, in the sense of union too you need to unite uh, people around something and of course Alessandri saw that and you know what keep the money and just make the best World Cup you can do in these circumstances. Mm. I mean Jonathan it's amazing that it went ahead there there's Says he says, you know, four of the the eight tournament venues were were ruined by this earthquake. I mean, I mean, let alone all the sort of the thousands of people dying and, and so on. But it it did go ahead, and and that the tournament going ahead, they were seen as a huge revival of of the nation, almost, you know, and, and bolstering kind of national pride. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, at a, a map of of the four venues, you've got Arica way up in the north, Santiago, then Viña del Mar, and Rancagua. You know, which is within what an hour of Santiago. Yeah. Uh, so the the Copa America in 2015, um, there were games in Viña del Mar in Santiago and in Rancagua. And I, I went to Rancagua partly because I knew it hosted games in '62, and I was so sort of slightly puzzled as to what it was like and why. And it's a tiny place. It it really doesn't feel like a a major city. And in in 2015, it was it was actually one of the one of the things I think you don't get at World Cups and Euros anymore, but one of the things that tournaments can do, that um, I think Van Kagel only hosted two games. And I, I remember arriving off the train and stepping off the train at the station and immediately volunteers coming to kind of show me how to get to the stadium, to carry my bag, to basically do whatever I wanted. Um, they, they were... oh, they, you're very popular. <laughs> I don't think you realise <laughs> Well, they were doing it for Miguel as well. So, um... oh, Well, a friend of Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> so the, 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 the warmth, the friendliness, the sense of excitement that their town or their city was, was hosting 
an event of this magnitude. And then the thing I found really, really touching was when he got to the stadium, uh, there was a load of Down Syndrome kids who they uh, were dressed as chefs, handing out biscuits that they'd, they'd made. So that sense of the town pulling together and, and, and uh, this being a major event in the, in the history of the town. And this is the Cup of America. So the World Cup in 62 must have been yeah. a million times bigger than that. And they had Argentina staying there. That was where they were based. So I'm sorry, there, there's a detail about it. Why I think Rancagua was chosen, despite the fact that it's indeed not exactly a big city or what you could call like a, um, um, a host city. But because um, there you have a mining camp and uh, by the, it belongs to the uh, biggest or the only national uh, copper company. So the copper mining, the, yeah, the copper mining company wanted Rancagua and their uh, camp to be involved in this. So I think that's why they chose Rancagua. But also because there were going to be nine host cities and basically half of them were totally wiped out. So they, they had to improvise and there were only five or four in the end. So you, you put all this together, ladies and gentlemen, you've got a country who was sort of on its knees after uh, uh, that earthquake, um, a country which isn't sort of flush with cash in, in the first place anyway, but a country that's suddenly got its national pride back, looking forward to this incredible tournament. Um, and then it, it, it starts to, uh, uh, I, how, how would I say, um, they take a few a few digs from some foreign journalists. But do you know what we're going to do? We're going to have a quick break because we need a bit of room for that as well. And, and, and after the break, we'll talk about that and the game itself. So uh, see you in a moment. Welcome back to the greatest games on the blizzard. So, yes, Chile bursting with pride. It's, it, it, you know, going to host the, the, the World Cup. It's happening against all the odds. Um, they've overcome a lot, the country. And, uh, and 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 Chile uh, start the start the World Cup very well. Now, Ceci, when did the those two Italian journalists write and say what they did? Was it before the first game, or was it before the game against Italy? I think it was before the game before uh, Italy. Uh, right, okay. it, it was during the build-up and. Uh, I think they had already stayed like two weeks before they were there um, since the very beginning or even no I'm seeing I think it was they were they were staying two weeks before the mm -hmm. start of the World Cup so they had already spent a lot of time in Santiago and Santiago is not what it is today yeah, sure. so and the contrast it, for them between Europe and Italy or whatever they they have known before and, and Santiago, of course, it was super shocking. And um, the legend says that they had at least one uh, night out that had gone wrong, and then uh, they were a bit fed up with it. It's like, you know what, this country really doesn't worry. You have to find nothing that works. Uh, they got mugged or something, or maybe some women, um, you know, at the time um, robbed them or something. Uh, and um, the thing is that they wanted to take some kind of revenge with what they, uh, because if you, what they wrote, if you compare it, it's quite in the same sour tone. It, it's, it's quite sour if you, if you compare it. I mean, it's both of them are really disgusted basically. It, and then they, they didn't hide it. So they were really tough, offensive, um, 
tone deaf. I mean, at the same time, I have to be honest, I don't think they were lying. Uh, indeed, uh, Santiago was probably all the things they, they, they said. The thing is that how they said it, the timing, uh, was it necessary really? And the country was recovering from the major earthquake in history, you know? Of, so they shouldn't, they shouldn't have done it, that, that, that's the truth. And the problem is that there are always Chileans everywhere. And some Chileans in Italy saw what they wrote. No, and I, I have, uh, if you, I don't know if Jonathan has the quotes, I have them. Yeah, I, I've got yeah. some of them here. Yeah. So. yeah, if you can read it, because it's really, I mean, today you hear it and it's racist, it's, it's offensive, it's... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that struck me, you know, reading them or, or hearing them, the thing that struck me was a lot of it is the kind of thing that, to be honest, I've been away at tournaments, you're away for two or three weeks, mm. you phone stops working or your, your hotel I don't know it's noisy so you can't get to sleep or your wi-fi doesn't work or whatever you get frustrated it's a kind of thing you might say to your mate in the, in the bar at, at midnight when you're tired you don't write it and file it and you really you don't actually mean it and you certainly yeah. wouldn't file it in the context of being you know two years after one of the worst natural disasters in, in history uh so the, the two journalists Antonio Girelli from Coriolis Sport who's actually you know, a really major figure you know the, the main the, the main Italian football literary award is named after him. Oh, yes, I have I have one, yes. Uh, and the other one, Corrado <laughs> Pittinelli from uh, La Nazione. So this yeah. is a selection of, of, of what they said. Uh, the phones don't work. Taxis are... are, are sorry. The phones don't work. Taxis are, are rare as faithful husbands. A cable to Europe costs an arm and a leg, and a letter takes five days to turn up. So you can see exactly this is... Yeah. People who are just really frustrated because they can't do their job as efficiently as they'd like. And then the, but then it gets worse. Malnutrition, illiteracy, alcoholism and poverty. Chile is a small, proud and poor country. It has agreed to organise this World Cup in the same way as Mussolini agreed to send our Air Force to bomb London. They didn't arrive. The capital city has 700 hotel beds and entire neighbourhoods are given over to open prostitution. This country and its people are profoundly miserable and backwards. Shots fired. I mean, it's not surprising that Chileans are upset by that. I mean, anybody would be upset by that. Well, you see, I find it incredible. I, I, I didn't know this until looking into the game, actually, that this is really what kind of set it all off. And, and not only that, had, had massive sort of reverberations between European and and South American sides for years to come, and really, if they if these two journalists hadn't have said this, I wonder if this game would have been that spicy at all. And some of the ill feeling that Europeans and South American more associations and so on had towards each other and and filtered down, would that have been as intense, Ceci? I mean, it's you know it, it, it's a real kind of sort of sliding doors moment you could argue for yeah for no because especially what uh struck chileans and the chilean players the most what what was what they felt was an insult and um, aggravation towards chilean women because carado piccinelli said uh that uh, an example uh, the prostitution, wait a minute, I had it, I just got it, but prostitution is uh, exercised, um, you know, in broad daylight uh, everywhere in Santiago or something like that. And uh, no, whole neighborhoods practice prostitution in the open air. And besides that, uh, 
you know, there, there's the, 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 there are the racist remarks. So, but what the Chilean players and Chilean people in general remember most, the ones who were witness, uh, witnesses to, to, to what happened, is the fact that they felt that they were insulting Chilean women, mm -hmm. uh, calling them basically prostitutes. So um, they felt that even though Lionel Sanchez says that they felt even though they knew that the Chilean, I mean, the Italian players weren't to blame, they needed to do something about it. And they needed to retaliate. And the only way to retaliate was on the pitch. So it, it was building up. I mean, you could feel it according to the testimonies, according to, to what people um, that was there and, and uh, people who lived the whole story, uh, they said it was building up until the very moment of the beginning of the of the um, of the match, and it, it, blew, it blew up. It blew up. Yeah. Well, an Argentinian journalist was mistaken for one of the Italian reporters and was beaten up in a bar. I mean, that shows you how how much this story ha had kind of been heard and and what their words that their words had been heard by so many people in Chile. Um, I mean, it's an extraordinary situation. I think it's an interesting point, Marcus, about whether whether the tensions you see between European and South American federations, which, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, 66, we know how, how bad that, sure. that, that became there. Mm -hmm. Would they have happened anyway? I suspect they probably would have done. I think there was a lot of tension there. Mm -hmm. um, and partly, partly there's a power struggle of where the World Cup should be, should be held. Should it be in Europe? Should it be in South America? Uh, you'd had the boycott. You then had the threatened boycott. Uh, I think referees were perceived to interpret the laws quite differently in Europe to South America, certainly by 66, that's a huge issue that one of the, 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 the biggest problems with the quarterfinals is that Uruguay v West Germany has an English referee, England v Argentina has a, has a West German referee. And so there's, there's the, the surface level, oh, hang on, the West German will favour England, the, the Englishman will, will favour West Germany, that's just a deal you can do. But also you put European referees in charge of those games, the South American side's at a disadvantage because their game is a referee differently. They understand the laws in a different way. So the, the sort of universality of the laws that we were constantly trying to work towards today, which is still not there, nowhere near that. Absolutely right. Yeah. This so was, you'd get away with that in the Premier League. You hear that now. Yeah, but back then it's a total, it's a, yeah, they're, they're miles apart. Yeah, because mm. apart from anything else, not every game, or very, very few games are televised. You've got nothing to compare it to. So I think even different referees within, within you know, the English league would interpret the laws differently. And it's very hard to, to correct that because you've got nothing to show the referees to say, well, that's how you should be doing it. So I, I think there's a whole number of reasons for that tension, but this is the, this is the touch paper that ignites it here. And of course, yeah. the, the, the other underlying thing here is, is the comparative wealth of the European federations and the European leagues. So the two players, the two Italian players who really get grief are Umberto Mascio and Jose Altafini, who are respectively Argentinian and Brazilian, but playing for Italy. So they're seeing as seen as somehow deserted their continent. So Mascio, um, who you know, I spoke to when I was doing Angels of Dirty Face, I had a long, long interview with him. And he was saying, they kept on saying to me, you should be in Rancagua. What are you doing, traitor? Really? Yeah, and traitor. It, they, they were calling them traitors. All the, all, yeah. the day, all the time, yeah. They, they were four, actually. Two Brazilians and two Argentinians. And, and they, yeah, they really had a hard time because people from the stands were insulting them because they were considered traitors. And on the pitch, yeah, 
Chilean players or South, South American players or um, you know whoever um, played against them who was from South America, um, they were going to be insulted by them. So because of that, because so then exactly and actually about the referees, yeah, because I'm I'm it makes sense to me now that um, Jonathan mentions it like the rivalry between Europe and South America at that time. Now it's, it's not such, but um, um, yeah, I mean, there was a, 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 a Spanish referee appointed for that game and the Italians thinking that because the Spanish spoke Spanish, he was going to favor the Chileans. So they rather had uh, another referee and they had, I mean, just imagine, a team complaining about a referee and having changed, uh, having replaced. So they had finally Ken Aston, who wasn't, uh, who didn't know what he was signing for, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we should talk about Ken Aston. I mean, he 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 was a very senior English referee. Yeah. And, and he did Chile's first game in the tournament. So they they beat Switzerland yeah. three one. He does that game, and for, for some reason, which I, I can't can't fathom doesn't send off Rojas, which he clearly should. He should send off Rojas and Eshman, so one from each side, and he doesn't. And I guess that to Chileans, they can they sort of think, well, actually, this guy's okay. We can win with this guy, and he doesn't send our players <laughs> off. So, yeah, we'll we'll go with that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but poor Ken Aston sort of <laughs> managed to be at the centre of a whole series of controversies. that had nothing to do with him through the 60s. But I think this was, I mean, he, he himself said, this was by far the hardest game he ever had to try to referee. Yeah. I mean, Ceci, before the game, obviously, you know, as we say, it's huge. I mean, we should say, but by the time this game came around, I think the two Italian journalists had fled the country, probably fearing for their lives. So they were they were out of it. Was, was there an attempt by the Italian players before the game to try and have a to, to try and bring a bit of peace? I, I read somewhere that some of the players were handing out bouquets of flowers to the spectators and they had them chucked back in their face. Is that true? Was that? A, a it story? is actually. If you right. if you go to YouTube and there's um, there are two, as I said before, there are two videos that show the complete match, and one of them is it's edited, so they have cut it. Um, to the maximum possible and the other one shows the whole thing and yeah. that video shows the moment where uh, the teams go uh, onto the pitch and you can see the Italians with the bouquets of flowers and they were trying to hand them uh, out to the to the public because we didn't have fences we didn't have protections at that time so it was a funny yeah. gesture I think. yeah so they were trying to just you know, <laughs> flowers everywhere. Not having it. And you can see the people like shouting like that. Like no, you know what? This is not working now. <laughs> We're going to war, basically. If you can watch it, it's it's funny to see it because then you read it first and then you see it, you watch it, and it's Jesus Christ, it is so true. It's so true. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that shows you what was about to happen, you know, if the crowd were that bad. So, I mean, the first foul of the match came after, came after 12 seconds, straight from the <laughs> off bang. We, we, it sets the tone, doesn't it? And I mean, w within the first five minutes, poor old Ken Aston is, is sort of, I don't know, he's running around like a scout master trying to organise <laughs> organize the boys, isn't he? You know, he's just, I've never seen a referee have such a hands-on approach, but I suppose he had to, Jonathan, because it, it was all kicking well, off. Well, and he does have the advantage, or he did have the advantage of being a, a very big man. 
Yeah. You, I mean, whatever, however hard these players are, you're not going to mess with six foot four Ken Aston, who, he, I mean, he looks like a, I don't know, like, like like a wrestler or something. He's a big guy. So at least he had that. I mean, imagine if he'd been a little, you know, if he'd been something like Rudy Kreitlein, who did the, the Argentina game in 66, being this little bald, fussy man. But at, at least he has the physical presence. And there are moments, yeah. certainly in the second half, where he's literally just pulling players apart. And he's got them, yeah. the size and the strength to do that. Paul Durkin would have struggled. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the first sign that, that it's really going off is five minutes in when, when Rojas goes down under a challenge. and But then it, there's a melee breaks out. Lionel Sanchez goes down in, in that melee. And, and Ken Aston must have been thinking then, oh, God, I'm going to have to send somebody off here. This I've got to do something because yeah. this is already out of control. And so eight minutes in, we get the first sending off. And actually, he gets it wrong. Yeah, I know what you mean. So, yeah. uh, so Farini, the, the Italian, Giorgio Farini, is sort of, he's picked up the ball in his own half. He's moving towards the centre circle. And Lander sort of just kicks him on the back of the calf. Nowhere near the ball. He's a good... It's outrageous. 60, I, I don't know, two feet, three feet from the ball. That, to me, is a turning off offence. Yeah. Farini just turned and smacks him. <laughs> Yeah, and of course Farini gets gets uh, sent off for it, um, but he won't go. He the police have to come on to take him off. There's a huge oh, melee is... breaks out, and in the melee, yeah. Mascio has his nose broken by Lionel Sanchez. Yeah, the, one of the players goes down clutching his face. I couldn't quite. That, that's Mascio. That's Mascio. That is Mascio. Okay, yeah, I was going to say that does that does. And the thing sense. is, Mascio I mean... is a really really hard man. No. Oh, we're talking about footballers in the early well. We, we yeah. talked about hard. we talked about Mascio when we did he played for Racing in the game against Celtic uh, in '67. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one of that Racing side. He was a Wait a minute, player. yeah, yeah. He was very tough. I mean, he played throughout the whole game injured because he was also kicking the ankle at the time very heavily. So he was with his nose broken and his ankle mm -hmm. almost. So it was very no yeah, substitutes. It was very complicated. But must you first in the first pandemonium because this started so early i mean it's it's incredible it's not that tension built up no it was immediate i mean yeah before the game but it it exploded immediately so at the first one the morning because it's also amazing to see i mean it's unbelievable to see that it's not only the players surrounding and basically harassing the the referee but it's also you see i mean a crowd of journalists photographers unthinkable nowadays unthinkable so uh in that first moment because aston was totally surrounded by people by players all complaining and he couldn't see what was happening outside that cloud of people it's like the cartoons you know it, it <laughs> yeah, a cartoon. Yeah. outside that Matthew just came like nothing and punched uh Lionel sanchez first and he fell and he had to have um, medical assistance and then that's why he retaliates and 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 you know okay this is it this is my my bill to you this is my ticket <laughs> you know and and then he punches again Maschio and pops his nose so it, it wasn't because of nothing so there's there's a story there but it's it's so nice in a way to read first the story and then to check it to do the fact check while uh, watching the video because you can see all those things and also like correct all the imprecisions because there are lots of imprecisions we don't have the we didn't have at the time of course the access of all the 
documents and all the, the records of everything. So there are lots of imprecisions and, and then you can, you can actually see like minute by minute what's happening, what's real, what's not, what's wrong, what's confused. And it's amazing. So that punch has, has a reason, you know, Maskew really got away with it because he should have been sent off. I mean, half of the, half the team should have been sent off actually. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, most of the stuff you just said there happened before the halfway point in the first half. Well, hang on, we, we, we're you know, in the first mean, 10 minutes still. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we could, we, if we were to kind of go into depth of, of every heavy challenge that should have been at least a yellow card, even in those days, we'd be here all day. So we have to sort of fast forward at some point. But that was the, the sort of major talking well, point. Well, of course, in that not a yellow game. card because they haven't been invented yet. Sorry, and I should Ken, say, oh, Ken, Ken Aston is the man who invents yeah. them. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. No wonder he yeah. did. He thought that was <laughs> in case I get give him one of those games again. So um, I mean, if I may, but please uh, stop me if I'm missing something. Let's go forward to that uh, uh, Lionel Sanchez moment where he was fouled by Mario David, the, the Italian, of course, and uh, David was 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 sort of hacking away at him a bit, and he and he retaliates with that punch to the face, as you say, right in front of the the. Line. Th- sorry, this this linesman. Just let, let me just step in because I only found this out please. yesterday. It is such uh-huh. an amazing story. Yeah. The linesman is Leo Goldstein. Leo Goldstein was a Polish Jew who went to Auschwitz, was in the in literally in the queue going into the gas chambers at Birkenau when he gets pulled out by an SS guard who's a former or claims to be a former German international and says, I recognize you, you're a referee. And he's uh, yeah, okay. And they take him back to Auschwitz to referee games between the camp guards. And that's how he survives the war. I mean, it's the most preposterous story. He takes joint US and Israeli citizenship. So, he, but he, he, he's the linesman this happens in front of. I, a completely, you know, a side character to yeah. the drama, but what an extraordinary story he has. Exactly. That's why I said that this game has so many like ramifications and backstories, yeah. things that you could make pieces about totally apart from the game itself because exactly i was going to to tell that little detail i mean he saved his life because he was the only one in the camp who knew the loss of the game so basically refereeing saved his life literally blimey so and 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 Lionel Sanchez, he was the son of a professional boxer as well. So kind of his father obviously took him well, <laughs> so much so. The BBC, I think it was the BBC commentator said when the, the moment happened, he said, well, that was one of the neatest left hooks I've ever seen. <laughs> now, <laughs> apart from that being one of the most English sort of sentences of all time, <laughs> um, you know, I suppose he, he, the commentator had been so desensitised by that point to what was happening on the field that, well, of course, there's another punch. You know, I mean, I've, I've got to commentate on that now, haven't I? What's <laughs> Absolutely extraordinary. Crazy to think about this. No, none, um, and neither David nor Sanchez were sent off after that. They kept playing. And one of the biggest imprecisions is to say that Mario David got sent off at that moment. No, he got sent off like five or 10 minutes later, almost at the end of the first half. But then after that, I mean, it was crazy to see how Mario David was kicking. I mean, it was just insane. And then the response of Sanchez and they, they just kept playing. So it's, it's, mm. it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, if you think if, you, if, if that happens today, mm. 
yeah, Sanchez wouldn't get up. He, he because he's he's kicked twice oh. when he's lying on the ground. He sort of because he he's fouled. He sort of falls onto the ball, and then uh, David sort of as though trying to kick the ball out from under him, just sort of kicks him twice in the ribs. So these days he'd just stay down. It'd be a red card and on we go. But I guess he'd lost all sort of faith that that the justice would take its course. So up he gets, swings the left hook, and then somehow he gets away with it as well. Well, kicking in the context of this game, a kick in the ribs actually is <laughs> one of the more minor offences, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Mario David, his when he, I mean, he earns his red card, you know. Oh, many he, times he over, he's worked hard for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of the most infamous challenges, or, or, or it's not even a challenge. It's, it is just assault. That's what it is. You can't call it a challenge at all. I mean, he responds with it with a fly kick to Sanchez's head, which of course he gets sent off for. And that was that to me is the is the uh, the clip, if you like, uh, the video clip that you see of this game because it is it is so outrageous. I mean, even in the context of the game, it's kind of like what on earth are you playing at, man? You know. But he was sent off, and, and Italy were down to nine men, and and. Chile, surprisingly, still had eleven on the field, of course, and that and they were again incredibly the only two sendings off of the match. But but it was nil nil for 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 most of the game. You know, it would it would take. Uh, oh, we should say Sanchez got away with another punch, of course, later on the match. You've mentioned that, um, but we had to wait until the seventy third minute for for Rodriguez to score the opening goal. I mean. You, one could forget that there was a game of football to be won there rather than just a fight session. And actually the Italians had had uh, the, the the clearest um, chances uh, until that moment, basically. And Chile, yeah, tried to 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 create some some chances, but the Italians, even with 10 men first and then with nine, they had clearer chances. And um, yeah, it was difficult. It was difficult. And of course, if you think that Chile survived that game with 11 men on the pitch, and of course, everyone else started complaining and rumor, you know, started spreading that FIFA had instructed the referees to be a little bit softer on Chile because of what had happened. And because also uh, they hadn't sold all of the tickets. So there are some there's some footage of um, stadiums half empty. So uh, they needed Chile to go as far as, as as they could in order to keep selling tickets. Otherwise, I mean, it was already challenging and it was already quite a questioned um, um, World Cup. So without Chile, it was going to be a total failure probably. And uh, that's what they say. Of course, yeah, you always think that the locals had to be some kind favored, but yeah, um, I don't think that Aston was playing that game. I don't want to think about that, but definitely, I mean, how on earth Lionel Sanchez, I mean, he, he himself said, if Aston had sent me off, it was totally deserved. He knew it. He knew that he got gotten away with it, totally. Yeah, incredible. I mean, one of my favorite moments for the game, if you can call it that, Jonathan, is is, is there's there's a there's a, just an out and out rugby tackle which again is one of the more minor offences from a, from a Chilean player and Ken Aston in sort of trying to break them up he sort of falls on the ground with them and then this this just just it's such an odd thing that you just wouldn't see in modern football the referee on the ground with the two players trying to separate them yeah that, that that's Toro who commits the the rugby tackle who goes goes right, on to okay. score the second goal so that that's between the two goals so the first goal is seventy three minutes. Yeah. A long free kick from Navarro. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's sort of um, 
Uh, Matrell sort of flaps it out, doesn't really get get much on it. And then Ramirez, who's, who's sort of noted for his heading, puts a sort of a very actually a very well directed sort of looping header back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and then, then there's this rugby tackle, and then uh, just a couple of minutes ago, Toro with a actually really nice goal, long range shot, twenty five yards in the bottom corner, and and the game is one two nil. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, there were two nice moments of quality, as you say, from Ramirez, but particularly from from Toro. But uh, Toro <laughs> probably shouldn't have been on the pitch for that because that rugby tackle probably should be sending off. Yeah, uh, but again, you know, if, <laughs> although Jonathan, I mean, as ridiculous as this sounds, you know, how do you've got sent off for that? He'd feel aggrieved in the context you, of the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, the game eventually ends 2-0. And as Ken Astor himself said, I wasn't refing a football match. I was acting as an umpire in military manoeuvres, you know. But then you, you, then it all started to, to, to really sort of get a bit punchy in, in the press. You know, there was accusations that the Italians had been doping from, from one or two people uh, in Chile. And then, and then when word did reach Italy about what happened, the Italian army had to protect the, the Chilean embassy in Rome. So as as we know with these with with football matches, I mean nowadays perhaps not as much as it used to be. Ceci, they have ramifications, don't they? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um, it it was it was history made there. Also, I mean, in because of that, because of that win, Chile could secure their um, going through the round of six. I mean, no, no, it wasn't the round of sixteen. It was quarterfinals. So. Um, uh, yeah, it was crazy, and Italy was on the verge of uh, elimination. So, and the funny thing is that they were considered candidates to win the, the World Cup before. So it was such a um, such a disappointment for them, for their own country, and uh, it, it was definitely uh, well, and probably the biggest ramification of the game was the creation of the yellow and red cards by Aston because he got definitely inspired by it and also by some experience that he had in in 66 so okay you know what I'm not up to this anymore something has to be done <laughs> and then the story says that he was driving you know and and he said uh, I mean at a, at a, a red red light he said oh wait a minute red yellow okay and then he invented the yellow and red cards but uh, it's funny to think that that was maybe that game was the seed of a part of football as we know it today. But um, yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, the fact that we are talking about this game now, uh, sixty years on, basically, it's it says everything. Indeed, yeah. I mean, how is the game? Is is it fondly remembered in Chile? I mean, do they sort of spin it as, oh, well, without this game, you know, we wouldn't have helped progress football with the other red cards? Or is it seen as a bit of embarrassment or is it just a part of the... Mm, I know. You know what? It's it's a bit because I think uh, Piccinelli and um, Girelli, they were right when they said that Chile was uh, a proud country. So, yeah, everything that makes them feel more powerful or, or that allows them to um, show their character, like we are survivors basically, uh, because yeah, Chile is a land of earthquakes, Chile is a land of natural disasters, but mostly earthquake. And every time the whole country or half the country has to rebuild from zero every time. So, and, and, and also 
there's this um, coming from the Mapuche people. They fought 300 years against the, Spa the Spaniards until they kicked them out. So there's this, this thing of saying, you know, we Chileans, we can against everything. So even in football, in games or moments like that, if you can demonstrate that, you know, we are Chileans, you're, you're not going to um, run us over or, or abuse them or abuse us or whatever, uh, it's, it's, it's good for people. So I think this game is remembered or talked about, about um, like, as a display of, of this um, warrior spirit or something. But definitely, if you see it, it's like Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, I don't think many people would say it, open, would say it openly, but yeah, it's not, it's not exactly the best um, sample of um, uh, football dignity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, for, for a number of years now, Jonathan, we, we see Chile as, as, you know, pretty handy side, even though they haven't, that this was their best showing, of course, at a World Cup ever, semi-finals and but we've seen them in, in the knockouts in, in the World Cup and, and have produced teams that uh, have been very effective. And of course, they did play Italy in the 1998 World well, Cup. And well, and in the 66. Yeah. Mm. There's David yeah. Coleman, so I hope they never play each other again. The very, the very, <laughs> next, very next World Cup, they, they play against each other. At, at, like, and, and where better to host it than, than Roker Park Sunderland? So my, exactly, my, yeah, yeah. There you, we, we've now, you, you, weirdly, <laughs> we've done Chile v Italy games twice. Well, uh, yeah. they've played each other three times at World Cups we've done two of them on, on this podcast now and the one we haven't done is the one my dad was at ah well there you are my goodness I'm sure David Coleman thought he was like pulling on an old jump <laughs> when, he, when he sat down to watch that game <laughs> oh dear Ceci it's been it's been great uh, talking to you about this game thank you very much for, for coming on the pod it's been I've had a wonderful time thank you so much for inviting me really uh, just you know time flies I wish we could just, yeah keep talking and talking it's, it's been wonderful thank you yeah. uh, not, not at all well for more stories like that do check out theblizzard.co.uk uh, but from, from me and Jonathan and, and Ceci thank you very much and we'll see you next time for another great game Ta. Thank you.